Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Comedy Podcast where we talk about your favorite movies, music, TV shows, and more. I'm Tori. I'm Marin. I'm Nia. And I'm Decoria. And I apologize for the iffy Ethel schedule this weekend. My brain was, the chemicals weren't working correctly. Um, but, you know, it might be a little iffy as we close out December, just as we get busy, move around, do all this stuff. But just know you're still going to get the episodes that we promised before we go on break. Um, and we love you all for still listening and sticking around. Even if those episodes were iffy, we still had listeners every day. So we always appreciate it. We're going to continue with the holiday spirit after Mariah and Winnie the Pooh and continue with one of Tori's favorite pastimes, which is musicals that aired on ABC every fucking day during December and Tori loved it. So <laughs> I had the girls watch Annie, the 1982 version. Um, for those of you who don't know, Annie is a 1982 American musical comedy um, film based on the 1977 Broadway, which is based on the Little Orphan Annie comic strip by Harold Gray. Um, it's directed by John Houston, screenplay by Carl Sobowski, um, starring Albert Finney, Carol Bunnett, Brenda Pertz, and a bunch of other people. Uh, it's a Columbia Pictures film that was released May 21st, 1982. 128 minutes long, $35 million budget, and $57.1 million at the box office. Um, I hadn't really ever looked up the history of this film, so I looked up the history of it. Um, so there was a bidding war for this film, the film rights for this, that was um, between Paramount and Columbia. Columbia ended up winning the rights for the Broadway musical, paying $9.5 million. Um so they the produced by Ray Stark and they got a bunch of people on Broadway to end up doing the choreography and stuff like that. Um, but it became too big of a thing for one person. This ended up being one of the biggest and most expensive films that Columbia had ever produced. At the time in 1982, they filmed this all over um, New Jersey and Long Beach. And there's like so much stuff. Um, most importantly, the music. The film features five new songs, and they took out a lot of songs from the musical, which we'll get to as we get into it. Um, is this your first time watching the 1982 version of Annie? Um, yes, for me. Uh, no, for me. I've seen this twice before. Yeah, and no, for me as well. I've seen this a couple of times. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I wanted to do the 82 version because even in the 99 version is the one that got like Emmy nominated. I like the music in this one more and I like Miss Fanagan in this one more. I have not seen the 2014 version. Have y'all seen the 2014 version? Uh, no. I remember it coming out but I never watched it. I, oh, is that the one that that meme has came from though? The I'm dancing in the hallway. So no, there's that's this Matilda. That's Matilda. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't even talk about the TikTok dance that everybody's doing. I think yeah. they they just turned Matilda into a musical, which I was like, why would you ever do that? Um, <laughs> yes, Matilda the musical is 2020 film, and people somebody put Missy Elliott's over control over it, and now it's viral on Twitter. <laughs> wow, I have seen the 2014 version. Was it good? Um, honestly I couldn't tell you it was so long ago mm. and I think it was like I was just at home and it was playing on TV oh right 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 I think I feel like the 2014 version came out when we were cutting off our cable so that's probably why I didn't catch it so um 
let's go ahead and get started. I don't remember this being two hours long, but also I've probably only ever watched it on television with commercials in between, so it doesn't feel that long. But it is a two hour long movie and it is a traditional musical, which is probably why I adore it more than any of the musicals that have come out after like 2000. <laughs> like, um, I do appreciate having Broadway people who are like classically trained in ballet to do choreography because the girls today are doing choreography like they used to, especially in musicals in my head. Um, but it's kind of why I loved it. So the movie starts out. Um, I'm actually going to recant this by looking at the track list, which makes me hummy. It starts out where we see Annie in her window singing the most iconic song for most people, Tomorrow. And she sings, um, you know, Your Day is Grand Lonely. And we get to see the actress, Annie, who's freckle-headed, red-headed girl with blue eyes. And we're basically... Um, they move into one of my other favorite songs. Well, she's basically singing about how um she's just gotta you know stick through the day get to tomorrow which is like a bar and a half because i know we're all feeling like fuck today but you know we gotta make it till tomorrow and so as she's singing the song one of the little girls in the orphanage has a nightmare and she's calling out for annie and then she goes into maybe which is actually like one of my top three favorite tracks from this um movie uh, I didn't realize how much I remember the music from this until I started watching it. And I was like, oh, I know the lyrics to all of these songs. <laughs> um, and she goes into Maybe, which is like this song about like um, the orphans thinking about what their parents could be. Are they strict? Are they nice? Are they making clothes for me? Do they miss me? Um, and that's when we get the interest of Miss Hannigan, the icon, the legend, the drunk um played by <laughs> carol brunette and if i'm not mistaken carol brunette is like yeah she had like her own show she's like a famous like um american comedy actress like i've heard of her name before i think drag queens do a lot of impression of her on rupaul's drag ways um that i could be wrong but i think that's where i've heard her from the most but she comes in as miss hannigan and um it's like the ass crack of dawn and she demands everybody get up and start to clean which is one thing i don't understand how are these kids cleaning so much and yet this orphanage still looks grimy as fuck <laughs> i don't um i guess they're not doing a good job they go into it's a hard knock life for us um, and I love the way the scene is, sh- the way this um, number is shot and choreographed, um, the way they use the buckets and the mops and things, and they're just like tumbling all over the place. Um, it's a very iconic song. I'm pretty sure you've heard. It's a hard not life. And so um, the girls like do impressions of Miss Hannigan as they're cleaning up. And once again, our um, rebel with a cause miss annie says i'm gonna try to run away again even though i've gotten caught before so she gets into a basket of laundry that is then sent out to the launder mr bundles who miss hannigan is flirting with and basically she gets snuck out of the orphanage and that's where she goes to save her dog sandy and dumb dog i think dumb dog and sandy are originals to the movie yes they're originals to the movie they're not in the original play and these are just like two short songs that amy sings while she's out of the orphanage she saves sandy from being tortured by the neighborhood kids after she milly whops these you know teenage boys that are like twice her size (laughs) um 
I don't think I've ever clocked how cute the actress is that plays Annie. Her name is Aline Quinn. Um, but she's like adorable in that scene and like totally not scary. But you know, once again, I'm six feet tall, so most people aren't scary to me. Um, she saves Sandy. Sandy almost gets snatched up by the pound, but you know, Sandy's her dog, and she takes. She gets you know caught by the cops and taken back to Miss Handigan at the orphanage, um, where they are able to hide Sandy. And that's where they sing Sandy's name about the name of the dog. And of course, Miss Hannigan finds the dog and decides to do the very um, 80s, 90s movies thing, which is locking children in closets. I don't understand why that was a thing <laughs> or a punishment. But yeah, I feel like children get locked in closets a lot. That was in Matilda. I feel like a lot of the iconic 80s, 90s Harry movies. Harry Potter. Harry Potter, yeah. <laughs> I don't... Is that a white thing? (laughs) (laughs) Gotta be. (laughs) Throw the kids until they tidy cramp space if they come out with claustrophobia that's on them, I guess. Um, But she throws Sandy and uh, Annie into a closet. And that is the first time we get to meet uh, Miss Grace Farrell, who's the personal secretary of Mr. Warbucks. The billionaire, not the millionaire. Her and Miss Fanagan have this talk. She's like, oh, the board of New York orphans has sent me here. And at first, Miss Fanagan thinks she's in trouble for losing Annie, but Annie's back. But it turns out that Mr. Warbucks wants to adopt an orphan for a week and share his home and show them a better life and then send them back, I guess. <laughs> um, But she sees Annie, who's in the closet in Miss Hannigan's office, and basically describes Annie to the T. And Miss Hannigan is like, um, hell no, she's a brat. I'm not letting her live it up in a luxury life. Um, But Miss Grace threatens Miss Hannigan with the fact that Daddy Warbucks is best friends with the board of directors or the, the board chair for orphans in new york so annie gets to go live at the warbucks residence for uh a week and they go into one of the most well choreographed scenes that i've seen in the musical in a while which is i think i'm gonna like it here where they're telling annie all about all the things that she doesn't have to do like she gets there and she's assuming that she's gonna have to clean up and they're like no girl we we're here to treat you so like you know you know just chill out for a while so after the staff at the warbox the war i was gonna say i don't know what was the call in my mouth i thought i was gonna say wario warbucks <laughs> residents invites uh annie in they go into probably one of another one of my favorite songs which is little girls little girls little girls carol burnett's performance of the song is amazing but it's basically miss fanagan after she was making out with the radio in her bed complaining about her life and um complaining about you know having to deal with little girls and other little things and their little toys and all of that um and she makes gin in her bathtub those the scenes where she's clinking the glass jar of alcohol and her cup together always make me laugh um but I feel like it's such a fun characterization of Miss Hannigan. Um, Miss Hannigan. And so she makes this little gin, and that's when her brother 
Brewster comes in with his girlfriend and we find out her brother's been in jail and basically they steal money from her and leave but that's when they introduce these characters for the first time and then we're back at the Warbucks residence with let's go to the movies which this is the first time I clocked that this movie came out in 1982 and the movie didn't come out because it felt like the 40s kind of if Mm -hmm. we were watching it in HD like the way you could tell they spent money on the set and the cars and all of that because in the 40s and the 30s, they were definitely being like, the movies, the movies are everything. Hollywood is everything. The movies, the movies. <laughs> so to have a whole number about going to the movies and propagating about movies in the 80s <laughs> felt very 40s <laughs> of them. <laughs> um, especially with like the live performers of the showgirls at the cabaret. I was like, Jesus Christ, we get it. You want people to go to the theaters and spend money. It's nineteen eighty two. It's nineteen eighty two. Star Wars has definitely come out by now. You guys are killing me. Um, but yes, I thought that was very forties of them. And so after the movies and Mr. Warbucks and Miss Grace are having a little um kind of co parenting moment where they put Annie to bed the next morning. Grace asked Mr. Warbucks if we should just adopt Annie. And he, enamored by how beautiful and gorgeous this woman is and how important this is to her, says, I will sign the paperwork my goddamn self. And they go into the number, we got Annie. That choreography bust down. You could tell everybody was classically trained ballerinas um, or have been classically trained in like typical dances. Um, but we got Annie, the most racist notes of the movie are the fact that Warbucks's driver is Asian and his security guard is a black man who is playing a South Asian person and so every time they danced or sing there was typical I guess um oriental quote-unquote sounding music and then quote-unquote I guess South Asian sounding music and I was just like that was so fucking unnecessary (laughs) um but yeah, the the security's the driver's name is Asp, and then the security's guard name is Punjab. It's eighty two. They Oof, were giving forties races. It's bad. Right. It's Oof. real bad. That man is black awesome. too. And I was like, God. he's he's bl- like black. I was like, why did they hire? What what's going on here? He's he a black man. Black. He just could have just been black. And I think in the original, he's supposed to be South Asian. So it's no telling what how many how races that gets in the actual broadway show (laughs) um but let's go to the movies and we got annie are also originals to the film um and so mr warbucks heads down to the slums to go to miss hannigan and sign over annie's rights and they sing my favorite song of the siren thing which is sign i love this number Miss Hannigan is th- literally in her underwear throwing herself at this man. And he's like, if you don't sign these goddamn papers so I can go, it's so funny. Especially um, like in the beginning of the duet where it's like him backing up her talking about wanting to be his side piece. And then he starts to talk about all of her past. And then it's like, I love duets and musicals. And I don't think I realized I liked, I think I really like old school musicals. And so um i love that number a lot like my one of my favorite musical numbers is um it's cold outside 
because it's a duet and I love it. And so um, they do that and they basically tell Annie that they're going to adopt her and they want her to be with the Warbucks and with them forever. And he tries to give her a new locket, but she's like, no, my parents left a note with me saying that they were going to come back for me um, when they could. And so she wants to keep the locket. And so she wants to be a normal kid with normal parents. And Mr. Warbucks was like, I will help you find them. So they go on a radio show where they play my second favorite song. I used to hum this song all the time. It's called You're Never Fully Dressed Without a Smile. Um, where they basically go on the radio and said they're looking for Annie's parents and they're willing to give them $50,000 for whoever can find her parents or when her parents come so that she can live comfortably. Once again, this is the Great Depression. I know what you're thinking. You're like, 50K? 50K ain't shit. I know, I know. I thought that too. But then I was like, oh, this is the 40s. This is the Great Depression. 50K is a lot. Um, And so they do You Never Dress Without a Smile. And of course, this cash reward sends all of the people clambering at the Warbucks gate. And they decide. um, Well, when Annie first got there, she asked to go visit FDR. um, (laughs) And he said no. But he's always on calls with FDR and like this man's life is constantly under threat. I mean, he's a billionaire. Somebody literally threw a bomb into his office. Mm-hmm. Nobody blinked. And they threw the bomb back out and caught the, the guy. I was like, I said, what is this <laughs> prop cartoonish bomb that they rolled into this? Like, it wasn't a grenade, y'all. It's a bomb like you like, see like- in like Jerry Looney Tunes. Would throw that yes. at Tom and Tom and Jerry. Like you would see yes. that on Cartoon Network. That was also very, very 40s movies of them. Because if this was a 1982 movie, the bomb would not have looked like that. <laughs> um, but yes. And so not wanting to expose Annie to all of the tragedy and frauds of the world, um, Mr. Warbucks and Annie get on the autocopter. <laughs> And basically go to Washington to meet Theodore, I mean, Frederick um, D. Roosevelt. And they, you know, FDR is trying to convince Warbucks about the New Deal and how it's going to work. And I was like, are y'all trying to stir up um, social studies facts from, like, middle school? I had done forgot about what the fuck the New Deal was. I just know it has something to do with social security, so I was so confused. And so looking at the production, in the original, um, there are songs called We'd Like to Thank You, Herbert Hoover, NYC, You Won't Be an Orphan for Long, Something Was Missing, Annie and New Deal for Christmas. <laughs> and so it seems like there's a little bit more of a political thread mm-hmm. in the Broadway version compared to this one. So they wanted to keep it still in the 40s by being bringing FDR into it. Mm-hmm. Um, without being propaganda because Warbucks is of course a motherfucker Republican <laughs> <laughs> um, so he's trying to convince him of this new deal and then Annie says well the new deal sounds great it's gonna help people and then she talks about she sings tomorrow again and then Franklin Lee Roosevelt forces Warbucks to sing tomorrow and so while they're having this little trip in Washington DC we're back at the orphanage where Rooster and his girlfriend have basically are convincing um Miss um, Hannigan to pretend to be her parents and he's like 
she's like, oh, I have all the information on them. She'll do it for 25K. Come to find out that Annie's parents died in a fire and they sent all of their belongings back to the orphanage, including the other half of her locket. Um, I honestly thought she was going to say that her parents tried to come and get her and she told them that she was gone. And I was going to be like, what? That's not how this movie goes. <laughs> but then she kept talking. And so they go into like another one of my top five numbers, which is Easy Street. Um, it's such a fun little number and it shows you how greedy and these characters are for an easier life. But I mean, it's the Great Depression. I too would be thinking with my black ass, maybe we can convince them <laughs> for a 50k. Maybe we can convince them Annie's our child. Um, so of course the orphans hear about this, you know, they fake a birth certificate and everything. And Rooster and his girlfriend are like professional con artists. So the orphans try to go and, you know, uh leave to go tell Annie, but of course they move in in packs. And are too loud and of course they get thrown into the closet but they escape um but not before Brewster and his girlfriend successfully convince Mr. Warbucks that they are Annie's real parents he signs a check hands him the check and it's immediately as they get out the gate Miss Hannigan hops into the car um and they go on this chase uh the girls um as as um, the car with the couple of Miss Hannigan, Sandy, and Annie are driving through town. The girls are lost trying to get there to the Warbucks house. Sandy jumps out the car and sees them and takes them back to the Warbucks residence where they tell Daddy Warbucks that uh, that was a fraud, that Annie's in trouble. And so Annie is able to get them to pull over saying she has to pee. She gets out of the car. She grabs the check out of Miss Hannigan's hand and runs the fuck off. They cut her off at the bridge of the train tracks and she immediately rips up the check in front of them. And I said, that's my girl. Um, um, but this sends Rooster into a rage. He's like hell bent on trying to kill her. And for some reason, this is when Miss Hannigan is like, she's just a little girl. Don't kill her. And I was like, Really? woman who was driving these kids on hard labor for god knows how long and pocketing money and god and so he basically chases her up a i don't understand how this happens people who are into trains please explain to me why there is a wall of train tracks that is like 20 stories high (laughs) i i can only assume this is in like the train yard where they move trains or do repairs on them so they might have to hoist a train vertically yeah that sounds probably what it is was it like yeah i'm trying to think about the scene it probably was just a yard like a train yard a terminal area i was just like because they were going up these tracks which basically turned into a giant ass ladder for a while and i was like what is the purpose of that? Why is it so high in the sky? But I'm guessing maybe if you need to, like, I don't know, test a train or some shit, that you would just rig the front of the train and pull it up the tracks. I'm assuming. Um, but yes, uh, Punjab gets into the autocopter and saves Annie from falling to her death. And we end the movie with the finale, which is I Don't Need Anything But You. We got Annie in tomorrow. And that is the 1982 version of Annie.
thoughts? <laughs> I thought it was cute. You know, I did like the music in it, but um, I guess that might be also because I have heard this music before. Mm. Yeah, I thought it was pretty fun, like a fun movie to watch. I definitely understand why people still love it so much to this day. Yes. Um, the music was very good in it. Like it was like one of the few musicals that I actually really liked because usually musicals like get on my nerves. So God, God, I think I feel like musicals have degraded. I feel like once Hollywood started, the first type of films that they started making, once they got color and audio, was musicals. So yeah, there's, there's like there's like a really like golden area of musicals like in the the fifties. Nia, am I? Mm-hmm. Nia, right? Yeah, like, when it's like the forties, fifties when sound and Technicolor becomes a thing. Yeah, and so they were like, we're well, gonna sound is earlier, but yeah. yeah, they're gonna we're like we're gonna make a musical into everything, and so that it's been like a really long genre, and I feel like modern adaptations or modern musical film. It's just a repeat of the same dialogue and not original songs that are can stand as dialogue, if that makes sense. And I feel like this, even though it came out in 1982, because it was based off a Broadway musical, does well on screen compared to movies that are just musical movies made for movies, if that makes sense. Yes. Uh, Nia, thoughts? Uh, yeah, this movie is very much a throwback. Loved it. Um, the music has no business being this good. Um, it doesn't. I like they. It's like the Tarzan soundtrack. Like you didn't have to do this. <laughs> like you could have just been average and it would have been fine. But they said no. We're gonna make songs. We're gonna make hits. <laughs> Tomorrow to me is up there with Over the Rainbow, but we don't give it what it deserves. Um, uh, yeah, I think this is a great movie. Also, these kids are singing. They didn't just pick up some kids and say kindness, and they said we're gonna get you. Who are the Who are the stars? Who are the future it girls and it boys? We need you to sing, and they were singing. Um, Carol Burnett. When you have Carol Burnett in something and she's giving, that's like it's already a classic. Yeah, I do think even though I grew up on the '99 version, I think mm-hmm. like I this this version I definitely think has a charm to it. Like I've never seen like they like how do I put this like now when people do musicals they still have like the sort of modern filter like I've never seen La La Land but it still looks like a modern movie even though it's vintage inspired this looks like they recorded this like with the intention that you forget this is not the 80s um it felt old um like what's that Christmas movie that's was made in the 80s but looked like it was from the 50s with the little white boy y'all know what I'm talking about no. the one that plays every christmas like it's the oh it's like on tv all day and it's the little white boy with glasses a christmas that's not christmas a christmas story what is it called yes a christmas story that one is also made in the 80s and it looks like it was made in the 40s and i'm like they really understood the material of like how to make something look old properly yes. and so it feels this movie feels like it was made in the at least the 50s um so i think whoever the the writers and directors where they really understood film so yeah i love it yeah this is probably one of my favorite musicals um the music is it, it there's just bops it's just like bob after bop even the original songs they do like i love let's go to the movies um i love we got annie um i think easy i don't even think easy street is in the original which is saying a lot 
Yeah. I okay, no, I think Easy Street is in the original, but it's it feels like such a complete show without it doesn't feel like a movie that got music added into it. It feels like a musical. If that makes sense. I feel like a lot of, mm-hmm. of like the past like 10 or 20 years of like musical films is just movies that people wrote and then added music into it. Right. Like it was made. I know what you mean. Like I think that's because they were uh, mimicking the, the musicals of the time mm-hmm. of that. What would have been the the. 40s like where it's like you go from dialogue to song back in the dialogue like seamlessly it's not like every word is like okay here's the song now like they'll give you a, it's more of like an opera type thing mm-hmm. right um what are your favorite songs for me it's still a hard knock life like i i, I will always like that song it's always <laughs> ringing in my head randomly every couple months yeah well, it's only because the Hard Knock Life is the only one I can remember right now. So, mm. and that's just because I've heard it all the time. Um, tomorrow is that girl. Um, tomorrow is someone who ever wrote that. You were in your biggest bag. Um, <laughs> there's another song. What's that song that she sings? Um, uh, where all the kids sing about like they're in the rooms, they're laying down in the beds, and they're like sad. What's that song? Maybe, um, maybe. Yes, that's a great song. Yes. Love that song. Everything and of course, composed, Heart Not Life is good. Yeah, everything is composed by Charles Strauss and written by Martin Charnin. Um, My top five, um, I love Easy Street. I love Little Girls. Um, Maybe. And then I like Tomorrow. Tomorrow's iconic. Ah, I think Signs. I think those are my top five. This is one of those musicals that I think I can listen to the music without having to rewatch the movie as well. Like, if these are on Spotify, I probably should add a few of them, like the five I just said, because I like the music that much. Um, This is very random, but I know the folks at Disney were seething <laughs> when they oh, first they heard the soundtrack. They said, they how did y'all let this slip past our fingers? <laughs> They were upset. This is under Columbia's record label too. The '99 version was that. That's not produced by Disney, is it? Was it? Hold on. I could have sworn I saw on one of them that I Disney. Think one of them is Disney's. I think it might be the '99 version. Let's see. Yes, the '99 version is produced by Disney, and it was mm. like Emmy nominated. Oh yeah, it was Emmy. It was... Is this the Emmys? This is the Peabody Awards. Okay. It did get primetime Emmy nominations, so it did win for Outstanding Choreography and Music Direction. But, yeah. Of course, when this movie came out, people were very critical of it because I guess the musical was still big. They were like, there's no substance. Even the people who sold the rights, like the original makers of the music, musical were like they did they don't put enough sustenance into you know the warbox relationship and they just turned miss hannigan into a drunk but i thought miss hannigan was great i think she's my favorite miss hannigan out of all the ones i've ever seen because it's like her like instead of being like mean and evil she's just like miserable (laughs) 
she's like miserable the fact that she whistles and has them say i love you miss hannigan like homegirl is touch deprived it's the great depression she has to deal with all these fucking kids i'm like damn it's bad out here it's bad the the sudden change of character for her kind of seems out of place but at the same time i get it because i feel like she was never sober enough to realize whatever at first i kind of got onto her because i was like how are you how are you not when we find out that she knew that Annie's parents had died in a car crash, mm-hmm. then I was like, okay, but that's kind of harsh to tell a 10 year old. I was like, that's, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, she's not an awful, well, she's not the best person, but she's an evil like her brother. Right. Rooster was wild. <laughs> um, But yeah, so I really like this rendition of Annie. What do you guys, what rating do you guys give it? Um, I'll give it like a, like a seven, I guess. It has Tim Curry in it, so you know has it's it immediately yeah. gets like a. Right. Yeah, I'd give it like a. I give it an eight. I give it an eight. Yeah, and I would give it like an eight as well. Yeah, I would give it like an eight point five. Just because I like the music a lot. Um. I maybe I'll eventually watch the 2014 version. I don't. It's like I know some of them are original because didn't Jay Z make the music for that one? He might have because the 2014 version is the one with the black girl as Annie, yeah, and, and I remember he had a lot to do with like the advertisement for that one. Okay, okay, but yeah, um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Come tell us which version of Annie is your favorite version. Have you ever seen it on Broadway? Do they still put this on Broadway? If so, um, you can always come chit-chat with us or Twitter or comment it or TikTok or comment the podcast. Um, but until next time, I'm Tori. I'm Marin. I'm Nia. And I'm Decoria. Bye-bye! Bye! Bye. Bye.